0: Our panel of brake fix petrol heads are back for another rousing what should I buy debate. Using unique shopping criteria, they are challenged to find our first time collector the best vehicle that will make their friends go, Where do you get that? Or what the hell is wrong with you? At the next Cars and Coffee. For every four out of five petrol heads surveyed, when asked, What car should I buy? the answer is always Miata. Many folks would argue that the Mazda MX-5, known to many of us as the Miata, is a great option for a number of reasons. It's well-made, efficient, and is surprisingly affordable. Some would say the Miata is one of the most popular roasters of all time, beating out all the British cars that inspired it, and it's a formula that has worked for years. With others trying to imitate, but never quite capturing the magic created by Miata, is that true? Is there more to the Miata mystique than meets the eye? What's it really like to be a Miata owner?
1: That's right, Brad. In our first ever double crossover episode, we aim to answer those questions and more as we chat with returning guest and drive-through news sponsor Dave Peters from HPDEJunkie.com, along with Jim Tramontano, founder of No Money Motorsports Blog, as well as their friend Bill Snow, founder of the Late to Grid podcast. Welcome to Fix, gentlemen. How about we get hey, into it?
0: Thanks for having us. Hey, thanks. So so this is like podcast inception. It's a podcast within a podcast within a podcast. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: I mean, I'm going to start off with, you know, we talked about the answer is always Miata. I'm wearing this t-shirt from Blipshift, which I love that says the original answer is Lotus Elan. Many will say the Miata was born in California, built in Japan. We actually had somebody on the show not long ago that was on the original design team for the Miata. And that was a super interesting story and whatnot. But we talked with him about its British inspiration. And he said, oh, well, it's really a combination of cars. They stole from Alpha. They stole from Lotus. They stole from here. They stole from there. So let's talk about how each of you came into the world of Miata and briefly give your motorsports bio, you know, talk about what you do and things like that. So why don't we start with Jim from No Money Motorsports?
2: All right, hey, uh, so I'm one of those people that 15 years ago, you would have never guessed I'd be in a Miata. I uh, grew up in a muscle car household. We had Mopars, Chargers and Challengers in my house and I had a muscle car and then I got a Mustang. Almost got kicked out of my family for it. I had it and I uh, started motorsports with that. I started autocross. And then one of my buddies bought a Miata and he's like, you just have to drive it, man. Like just, just try it out, drive it. Got in the car, drove it, and within like two or three miles was like, all right, the Mustang is for sale. (laughs) And that's really how I got a Miata. Ended up buying that exact car from him because he found another one he wanted to upgrade into. That's really how the the Miata thing started.
0: What year, Mustang?
2: I had two at first. So I got a 95, started autocrossing in that. But yeah, last year, the 5.0. Sold that for an 05, which is the first year of the retro body style.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm not surprised
2: you got rid of those for the. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I I miss them both, though, so much. I don't regret selling them one bit, but I miss them every day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I'm there with some of my cars, too.
1: 200 horsepower of five liters of awesome. Yeah. That's oh, two,
0: yeah I, 215, 215.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. You must have I, the, the GT model. <laughs> yeah. One of the times right before I like decided to sell it, I was at a stoplight two lane road. No one in sight except for right behind me was a minivan and I just plastered. I took off from that light as hard as I could, you know, second gear and I'm half with you second gear. And I look at my mirror and the van is right on my bumper <laughs> it's like, oh, this isn't going to work. <laughs> From there, just started track days where I had been autocrossing to that point, uh, And then basically jumped right into track days with the Miata. I started doing volunteering and working with NASA, doing a lot of days with them. Really just as time went on, just then I started instructing. Then I started time trial. And then I started racing. It's just kind of the way the cookie crumbled there. And through all that, I got into doing track days like right out of college, basically. So I had absolute mountain of student loans and a teaching job that paid a lot less than my student loans, we'll say. <laughs> so I started this whole thing on an extreme budget. The, with the Miata, I was living in apartments. So I was working on it in the apartment parking lot and all these things. And with that, I got a lot of kind of strategies and tips to really do it on the cheap and do it easily. That is where my whole no money in motorsports thing came out because people kind of could see that I was making ends meet and making it happen. And I was getting the same questions kind of repeatedly like, oh, hey, how do you do this? How do you do that? So that's where the idea for making a whole blog about it came out.
1: So as many of our guests may remember, Dave Peters was on our show during season one, and he told us about how he started life in a 370Z Nissan. But Dave, how did you end up in the Miata again?
3: Mine was budget reasons as well. The uh, 370Z just, it was hard on the expendables. Tires were maybe two weekends and they were big 19-inch 305s on the back. So, full set was, I think it was about $1,500 and it was a staggered setup and brake pads went about as quick. It just wasn't a great track car. Had fuel starvation problems and overheating problems and not of the engine, but like the clutch would overheat because the clutch line was next to the catalytic converter and. But it really was more about money. You know, I did it a couple of times and realized a couple of times a year wasn't going to be enough. And I couldn't afford to buy three, four sets of tires a year for the Z. And, you know, of course, you see 50 Miatas at every vent out of 100 cars sometimes. So I knew there had to be something good there. And a buddy of mine got into it and and he kind of wanted to know what car to buy. And I was like, "I, I think he want to buy a Miata. I mean, it just seems to make sense. And he did. and I still had the Z and he let me drive it once. And I was like, yeah, at first it was just kind of like, yeah, I I can suck it up and do this and have this little horsepower thing. Once I had it on the track and then the more I drove it on the track, the more I was just hooked on the way it felt driving it. And yeah, I never thought about the 370Z again, probably after the first time I tracked the Miata. Well, well, maybe not then, because it broke down the first time I took it out. And I think I got three laps in a weekend. But um, that was my own dumb mistake, that, you know, that that happened. So, yeah, it really just boiled down to instigation was financial. Once I got in it, I, I really don't want anything else.
1: You've told me before, the more time you spent behind the wheel of the Miata is what inspired you to build HPDJunkie.com as well, because you were dying to go to more events and drive the car.
3: I did start the website with the 370Z, but again, you know, I I mean, I'm an honest guy and the whole reason for the website was to get on the track more often and, you know, kind of help the budget. Yes and no. I I did have the 370Z (laughs) when I started out. I I probably only had it for a year before I got the Miata.
1: Well, we'll attribute the success of HBJunkie.com to your Miata, not the Nissan. How about that?
3: That sounds fair. (laughs) I can live with that. <laughs>
1: and last but certainly not least, Bill, tell us about Late to Grid and your motorsports past.
4: Thanks very much for having me on. It's great to see Dave and Jim again. Yeah, so Bill Snow, host of the Late to Grid podcast, where, you know, the idea is to get people together to to share stories and inspiration for, you know, grassroots motorsports and um share the stories that might might inspire some folks and my motorsports background started um gosh, probably in, in middle school, I would get dragged to sports car races and Indy car races with my dad. And, and he was a spectator and really started to enjoy that. And I, at one point in high school, I thought to myself, well, shoot, I could probably be doing this. So my first car was a 280 ZX and I joined the SCCA and I started autocrossing and just fell in love with it. But then after college and marriage and kids, you didn't have fun cars anymore for a while. And I got in a 76 Triumph Spitfire, just to tool around in and and I had a Mini Cooper S that I got back into autocross a little bit, but I, there was a time when I was at a corporate meeting and we, and our name tags, we had to write a little line under our name, something interesting about us. And I I still remember what I wrote. I love small cars. So I always enjoyed, you know, the MGs and the Spitfires, things like that. The Mini Cooper, of course, being a small car. So fast forward to uh, just a couple of years ago, one of my employees has an A Miata. Of course, he's turbo swapping it. And it's a blue car with a red hard top. And of course, it's got these 225 sticking out. He's doing all this other stuff. And he runs these circles. I said, listen, I'm getting the itch. If any of your friends are selling a Miata, let me know about it. Not necessarily saying I could pull the trigger, but so he comes to me a couple of days later. He says, hey, my buddy just got a Type R and he just bought this Miata from the South. He's got Mad Dog roll bar for it. He's got Olean coilovers, stainless steel lines. He wants to sell it. I said, well, all right. So I drove it and man, immediate smile. All those parts were still in the box. So I negotiated to buy the car and I said, you know what? Let's work out a deal to buy all the parts too. After having it on track a couple of times, I'm hooked.
1: So what inspired the podcast?
4: So the name is, so like 2016, 17 and 18, we did uh, some endurance racing. I got the race for free. If I stored, transported and wrenched on the car. I mean, there were days I was loading the car up on the day we were leaving for the track and finishing like simple things like oil changes on the car. So inevitably we were getting to the track at the last minute, getting through tech last minute, getting to grid, realizing something's wrong. Inevitably, I was always late to grid. It was my fault. So I kind of thought if, you know, the podcast, we could kind of maybe help people not get late to grid. So what are some tips and tricks? And uh, you know, we had an episode where uh, Gabe Gutierrez, who races a Mustang in uh, NASA events, he's all about checklists. So he shared all about that, and that's how he's never
3: late to grid. Gabe is such a great guy, and I yeah. love his wife too, and Anna. I just, I, I had to say something.
4: No, that's great. Yeah, so it's sharing stories like that to help people realize, okay, you know, part of it is I can do this. I can get on track. There aren't a whole lot of obstacles. It's somewhat easy to do. But the other thing is. What are the tips and tricks that people can share with us to make sure that we can get safely on track, not be late to grid, and still have a great time at the track?
1: We need to test your guys' Miata subject matter expertise before we really dive deep into this subject. (laughs) So we have a question that needs to be answered. Inquiring minds want
0: to know. Is it Miata or MX-5? And what does Miata even mean?
3: (laughs) I always say Miata, but mine, I think, was technically still called a Miata. I can't remember, but uh, someone told me it was mi- something middle-aged, something something. But I can't remember. Maybe the guy that was on the design team can has told you, and you can fill us in.
0: I've always heard it means reward. Oh, you're being rewarded for driving Miata by the driving experience. I can see that. Yeah. I can. I can see that. You're not rewarded by the horsepower though, but that's a whole no, other story. Yeah. No, definitely not. I, I think was, it has something. Some, there were those names German. that just
3: cool. Yeah.
0: I think the NA Miata actually had a Miata badge on it. It wasn't MX5. It was it actually was a Miata, the yeah. Tic Tac.
1: But I believe it was always known internally to Mazda as the MX-5. And then it got badged as a Miata, wherever that came from. We'll leave that up to our listeners to write in and let us know where this little (laughs) bit of trivia comes from. You know, as we were just joking, we hear all the time that Miatas are slow. So is this fact or fiction? And if it is fact, how do we make a Miata faster? Well, let's talk about some tips and tricks and thoughts on going faster in a low horsepower momentum vehicle.
2: Look, they're slow. They're always slow. And that's why they're good. (laughs) Uh, Once they become fast is the problem. But the trick is to not ever slow down. Home track to me is New Jersey Motorsports Park Lightning. I always tell people you hit the brakes twice on that entire track. And like one of those is kind of a lighter braking anyway. Uh, So really the biggest trick for Miata to, to go fast is not to add a turbo. It's not to add power. It's just don't slow down. (laughs)
1: <laughs> isn't that the same theory as when you're driving a go-kart
2: yeah basically all I have a go-kart which is much faster than my Miata though so <laughs> <laughs> that's what I tell people all the time when we're karting just don't use the brakes what, what? Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah.
1: so with that being said thoughts tips tricks things that people can do to take a stock Miata and make it better
4: number one seat time that's the only way any driver is going to get faster I don't care if you're doing turbos you got nitrous you got rockets you need seat time. That's that's number one. Number two is tires. So once you get some seat time and you get a feel for what your current tires feel like, you put new tires, grippier tires, stickier tires on there. You're gonna get a little faster. Third, brakes. If you can go a little deeper, carry that momentum a little bit further. Just touch them and have them grab quickly. My opinion, brakes. Then you can look at steering, suspension stuff. If those four things aren't putting a huge smile on your face around the track then maybe you start bolting some stuff on. But those four things I think will make you faster and let you have a lot more fun around the track.
2: That's so what you're going to say. Maybe find a new hobby if, if those yeah. aren't working. <laughs> Other sports back end, right? But
1: that yeah. you actually
2: bring up a really good point, Bill. When you get to
1: that part of the equation and you're in a Miata and you want to go faster and you start bolting things on, is it really worth bolting them on? Or do you do like Jim said and kind of just walk away and maybe buy a different car?
4: You know, I got some advice uh, when I had the Mini Cooper, I wanted to do some bolt-ons because the track where I was going, man, I'm I'm really struggling with this one turn. And man, if I could have the supercharger sort of give me a little bit more power more quickly, I can get off that turn faster and have a little bit more. He said, you're thinking about this all wrong. You have to get more seat time. You have to drive more. You'll get faster. You don't need bolt-on parts. So what did I do? I ordered all the parts and bolted them (laughs) on. And... uh, It wasn't until years later I realized, you know what, he was right. It, it is about seat time. If you're not getting faster, not having fun with the basics, especially with a car like a Miata, then maybe this isn't for
3: you. There's always the uh, Lotus philosophy: add lightness,
0: <laughs> simplifying add lightness. Um And,
3: and I, I'm victim of adding power, <laughs> but I didn't do it at the beginning, and it's not it's not boost. It's just more air through. It's not a huge gain, but Eric, you, gotta- you were still faster than me. You had a little more horsepower.
1: And my car was how much heavier than yours? I'm just saying. I don't know, but
3: you did, <laughs> but you did have slicks on. All right. All right. They were used slicks though. Used slicks. It's
1: true. I want to say, I want to call it even. <laughs> but I, I, think
3: had, I think you had a little more power. You, you were gaining like I don't know, six to ten feet a lap on me.
2: It was fun though. That was and a I good. That said, was a good no, run at Carolina.
3: It was a fun run.
2: One thing also that I, I found for really making a Miata more fun if you're struggling with the power is go racing with one. Or even if you're not going racing, find somebody to really do a session with. I personally got to a point where I was starting to burn out a little bit. I was like, I was looking at Mustangs again. I'm like, I want something with more power. And then I got fresh tires, and my two of my friends started showing up with the same car. And just us driving together was like the total refresh that I needed. Like, this is so much fun. You know, who cares if we're pointing by Corvettes and the straightaways, we're our door-to-door in the corners and it's a blast.
1: You just reinforced that misery loves company, right?
2: Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs>
1: and and i've heard that and it's true i've run some miatas myself we had an ssm here at gtm for many years and it's one of those things that it's not that fun when you're the only one at a de and you've got bruises on your left arm because you're given a point (laughs) by constantly especially a place like dir and the glen and things like that but when it's you and 40 of your best friends that all make 105 wheel horsepower it's a whole different ball game right it's it's To Bill's point, they're micro cars, and it's like NASCAR on a small scale, right? You're all there together, bump drafting. And since you've raced, Jim, that brings up a good point. We'll talk about everybody's experience on track with the Miata, but I've heard it said before that a lot of the Miata races are nose to tail, waiting for somebody to screw up. And if you do stick your nose out at the wrong time, you get sent to the back of the pack because there's no way to get back in.
2: Yeah, uh, that's really it. I mean, especially on bigger tracks, if you watch some of the videos from Daytona, where NASA Chance was last year, that actually even more so at Daytona when the Global MX-5 Cup cars were there. So they've got a little bit more power, but they still drive just like ours. The last lap of one of those races was three wide, three, same and really? it wasn't three cars, it was three lanes wide. No, not that one actually, but that was wild too. That one it was the same way. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but this was three lanes wide. And the leading car went from first place to, God, I think he finished seventh in one corner. (laughs) He just got freight trained by two other lanes and was just like, oh, oops. (laughs) It's an extra level of chess that you have to have beyond driving.
3: I'm sorry I mistook it for the Seabing Race because it was pretty much the same ending last corner. I think whoever was in third came out of the corner in first and ended up crossing the line in third.
2: Yeah. Oh, that was but a great it, it was milliseconds
3: it <laughs> between the three cars. It was amazing.
2: In spec
1: racing, there's a lot of still one sixes out there, a mixture of one eights. You don't see too many NC or ND, third and fourth gen Miatas every once in a while, an NC with a penalty and things like that. Why is everybody still sticking with the older cars? Are they really the best, and especially for the racing, or is the spec classes just designed around the NA and the NBs?
2: Yeah. Well, spec Miatas only NA and B actually. You can't run the NCs or NDs in our class. There's a lot of noise I'll say coming up now that SMX which is the NC cars. There's a traveling race that's going to be happening this year. It was supposed to happen about two years ago but you know COVID. So we'll really see this summer how those cars take off and if they do. To me it's not the same car. It doesn't have the same magic as ours. It's very similar, but there's not nearly as many, so they won't ever be as cheap. Parts won't be as plentiful. I hope the racing will be just as good because our cars are getting older and older by the minute. Yeah, they have their own their own playgrounds
1: because there's other spec series out there: spec E36, spec E46, uh, spec Boxster, spec 944, you know things like that. So there's other spec races for people that don't want a Miata that are still interested in doing that kind of racing. But those classes are some of the fastest, most grueling racing out there. To Dave's point, let's talk about some of your experiences with Miatas on track, and maybe if they're not, eh, okay, you know they're all right. But maybe some of your biggest oops moments. <laughs> Maybe those learning moments, something that the Miata taught you as a driver, something you still carry with you today. You know,
4: the first oops moment came at a track day I had with the Miata. I pointed by a C8, ducked in right behind him. So this track day was supposed to be filtered for people that had previous track experience. So if you had previous track experience, you can bring anything you wanted, you wanted mm-hmm. to, except for race car. bunch you guys came out with C8s. <clears throat> they just bought them. Pointed by. I duck in behind him because now we're at the end of a straightaway and he slams on the brakes. The nimbleness of the Miata right out of the way, I have it on GoPro. I'm hesitant to to post it because I don't want to stir anything up with with the C8 driver. Um, But I thought, oh my gosh, just, you know, the horsepower difference between the two cars, the handling of the Miata was just great though. And then I realized, you know what, we're going to back off a little bit. We'll throw a lap away, put some distance the next time around. But those C8 guys got to talk into at lunch. So <laughs> we didn't have <laughs> any the afternoon. Well, yeah, I guess one other quick thing that the Miata has taught me about it's just it's trying to find the limits a little bit, and you know, getting a feel for that. And it's what I found about the Miata is you can you get such a great seat feel, and you can start to feel when things are going to start to break loose or, or give away just a little bit. and You can dial it back and try it a little bit further. That's true with a lot of cars, but I feel with the Miata for whatever reason, it just maybe it fits me a little bit better. You just get a good feel for yourself in the track.
1: Do you find that it translates to other cars or do you feel that you have to relearn if you take another car on track or to a motorsport event?
4: Uh, if you're moving to a front wheel drive, you know, there's a little bit more adaption to that, but other rear wheels, for me, it feels similar. We used to race an E30. And I feel like the handling is, I won't say similar, but the feedback seems similar to me between the two.
1: We call that fun
2: wheel drive, by the way. It is a
1: totally different driving style than you guys are I like that to. fun wheel drive.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's not the one I heard. There's another one that I heard. <laughs> you
1: must be referring to the 911 drivers that you know, oh, yeah, drive's that's going there. backwards. Yeah, yeah. Those guys.
3: <laughs> I mean, I can say that I, I definitely think it made me a better driver than I, if I had kept driving the 370Z and, and kind of to what Bill's saying is, I think what it is that makes it magical is the balance front to back. It does. It gathers up super easy. You know, you start feeling the the ass end come around and then a little flick of the wheel and it comes right back under you. I can't really speak for driving other stuff except the Z. Honestly, I think I've just driven another Miata on the track, couple other Miatas on the track. I've never driven anything else. So
2: never lift really is a big one as you progress to get faster and faster in a Miata, you know, it's easy to drive a Miata decently because of the low speed, but if you really want to go fast, you need to be on the limit all the time. Full send, full send send all the time. I mean, I've got some (laughs) clips. I keep on putting up clips of mostly turn one at NJ Motorsports park, just sideways, hold the gas and like, Oh, you're good. You know, just steer through it and keep your foot planted. And that's translated pretty well to other cars. I actually, I got to drive at E30 at Lime Rock last year, which was really exciting to not have a dry session until the race started at a track like Lime Rock, if you're familiar, but I looped it in my first wet practice session, but you know, you have to find the limit. So you have to cross it to find it. Things translate, but those cars like to move around on the tail a lot quicker than mine does. <laughs> so,
1: I feel like all the something. paddock jokes suddenly come out when you say that, like, what's it like to drive a car with torque, you know,
2: I was afraid. I was like, this car feels like it's got so much power. And it, you know, maybe it had 30 more horsepower than my Miata, but <laughs> oh, my. also 300 more pounds, but eh, it was fun. <laughs>
1: Bill sort of alluded to something that I want to touch on that comes up at every driver's meeting, especially as a coach, you hear it all the time, students complaining, this and that. What are your pet peeves as a Miata driver on track? What really gets you hot boiled? Corvette guys.
0: (laughs) The C8 brake check.
1: (laughs) You know,
3: it it, it seems to happen to me every time I'm at VIR. You chase them from turn one to oak tree and they should point you by and they don't and then you kind of catch them going down roller coaster onto the front straight they probably shouldn't point you there but you know you're right back on them in turn one and i can remember once probably doing six laps behind the same corvette i was so frustrated i didn't go pull in for extra space i just pulled in and stayed in
4: the pet peeve is the uh faster car that that rides you you know you give them the point by they pass you, and then you're right on their bumper in the turns. I think we talked about this earlier or something like that. You chase them through a couple turns. They're way ahead, and you catch them in a couple of turns. Yeah, just because they have five times more horsepower doesn't mean uh, they're necessarily all that faster on the, the track.
3: I think it boils down to egos, honestly.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, they
3: don't want to let the 120 to – whatever horsepower Miata get by their 500 horsepower, whatever, never, actually. And I, I shouldn't have singled out Corvette guys because it's not just Corvette guys. It was just
2: easy to say after. No,
1: oh, no, no. It's How the sure. Mustang guys and the Porsche guys and the uh, Viper guys. And you can
2: anybody with power than Miata. Yeah, yeah pretty, <laughs> pretty much. So, and I'll, I'll preface this by saying I've never actually done it but I have very much tried in advanced DE groups to push cars out of corners. You know, they drive off before I can actually push their bumper, but I've tried, I've gotten close. There's oh, been yeah, a 911 yeah. where if there was air between our bumpers, I'd be shocked. <laughs> he, he got that, away is from the, that is
3: the good side of it is freaking out the guys with the hundred to $200,000 car by being on their ass. <laughs> yeah. That usually will get you the point by two.
2: Yeah. Uh, so if it doesn't, the the thing that I learned that helps is the next corner. Instead of being in their mirror, following them, be in their mirror sideways. Uh, and then usually you'll get a very
0: fake point because
1: or yeah. a black or a black flag one or the other I mean, it, you know, yeah, it
0: depends. Yeah. <laughs> just pass no. them in the dirt <laughs>
1: Stuck style. and you know yeah. to your to your point i feel your guy's pain i run the low horsepower car as well and you know it's a lot heavier than dave's that's for sure but yeah you're there you're glued to somebody you're like oh my god and you know being an instructor i you know, I tell my groups, especially if I'm a group leader, I'm like, hey guys, these Miata guys, didn't transport themselves here they are on you and their foot is to the floor like get out of the way you know what i mean be respectful of it and whatnot and a lot of people don't respect the momentum cars and how much work it takes to drive one because we don't have the horsepower we don't have five six seven eight hundred horsepower on demand like some of these camaros and corvettes and, and vipers and whatnot so it is a struggle the struggle is real but i always like to remind people to be respectful and you know what else Tuck behind the Miata because they are hauling ass, and you might learn something. That's the yeah. other thing I try to remind yeah. people: follow their line, see what they're doing, see how you can carry more speed. Because that low horsepower, momentum car is going to demonstrate that very, very quickly.
2: I've actually gotten a lot of I've given point buys the fast cars coming up on straights, and they wave it off, and they'll follow me for two or three laps, and then they'll present and go the next straightaway, and it's, it's pretty cool that they're trying that. The one thing that I have noticed, if you are in a Miata. And you're tired of not getting point buys. Make your car look like a race car. Like sticker it up. Because since I've been in the spec Miata, people let me right by. I mean, maybe it's because my comfort level for space between cars has gotten a lot shorter. But so I'm I'm closer than I used to be. But I don't really get, I haven't gotten hold held up much lately. How many stickers do you have? Oh, I can't count. There's a lot. I mean, there better <laughs> be a lot of HPDE junkie stickers.
1: Well, I mean, there, if you got. How much
2: horsepower you do you have? That.
3: Well,
1: that, that's my point. If he's got like 20 stickers, that's an extra 100 horsepower. You're, oh, you're yeah. immediately faster. Oh,
0: of course. Well, yeah, Required that, alone, you know. there's quite a few. So. <laughs> Dave brought up the $100,000, the $200,000 cars. We know that the Miatas, at least maybe in previous markets, not the COVID, post-COVID market, that they were cheap. At least that's what we hear all the time. So what's the true total cost of ownership really like for HPD and for Earth Club Racing? Um,
3: I mean, it's, it really depends on what you want to do with it. I think you can keep it really cheap and throw some coilovers and some little wider wheel and tire and a roll bar and some racing seats and roll with it. But you can be like me and go down the rabbit hole and just do everything you possibly can to it, which a lot of it, you know, that was part of the hobby for me too, was I didn't really wrench a whole lot on other cars. Working on the Miata, I felt really comfortable. So I just kept doing more and more. And, you know, I liked fiddling with little fabrication things. And so it it really depends. And, you know, as far as cost, I I paid, I think, $2,500 for mine but you know what you could i would think the same car now would be 6 grand and i've probably put 10 to 12000 in it but again a lot of it was you know not necessary Just because I wanted to, and
1: it wasn't all in one shot either. It was no, no, no. It was
3: over, yeah, over probably five years, and you know, it, it could be anything from hood vents to a different shifter to things that
0: absolutely aren't necessary. They just make it a little nicer or cooler or whatever you want to call it if we all look back over time and, and start calculating how much money we put into our cars over the years, we would don't. all start crying. <laughs> that,
1: that, hey, that's verboten. We don't do that here. Yeah, it, it, yeah. yeah
3: that. But even, only even still, if you want to be depressed. Even <laughs> still, you know, 12 grand invested into a track car that is fun as hell is still nothing. Yeah. Right.
0: Exactly. You know,
3: comparatively, you know, you guys can relate because you're in lesser expensive cars, but you go to a chin event and every car there is a hundred thousand and up. Yeah. So, you know, you're,
0: you're, you're nowhere near that. And you, you have just as much fun, if not more fun than they do. Exactly.
3: And, and there's definitely the fun of running one down and kind of laughing, thinking what you've spent <laughs> versus
1: them. I've seen Dave's car in person. It's very nice. So good job. Well, thank
2: you. Thank you. One thing that was wild was my consumable budget for, I think it was the two years before I started racing. So I was instructing, And with my club, they had a special where you could do time trial for just $50. It was like a little, like a bump up for the instructor group. There was very few people that would run in my specific class and time trial, but there was enough to get Max's contingency and Hawk contingency. So for two years, I didn't spend any money on tires or brakes. Nice. Um, brake pads are completely covered. Uh, and I was only going through a set a year. Anyway, tires, so that was were, 30 bucks, right? Yeah, <laughs> I got the better one. <laughs> And then the tires was, were given to me too. So I would run them for a year and then just replace them with contingency tires and sell off the old ones. And it, it worked out, uh, pretty well. <laughs> so I bought mine
4: a little bit over two years ago for the car all the uh, stuff that he had new in box, and then a set of uh, wheels and uh, RE71s, I was still just under 10 grand. And the only thing I've had to do in the last two years is we pulled the motor over the off season here just to reseal every gasket, the rear main was leaking a little bit, the front crank a little bit. I mean, so seals and a couple of bearings and a new pulley. And I did some upgraded voter bounce and upgraded Kevlar timing belt. So I'm probably right where David. is, probably 12 grand total.
1: The Miatas, they all come in different colors and flavors like Skittles, right? So, but there's like a base setup. A lot of people say, I run the SSM package, whatever that means. It means something to you guys. But, I, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> <what> I mean. <laughs> but I guess the question is like, how similar or dissimilar are your guys' three Miatas, which are you know all N A and B series cars? What's the setup like? What kind of parts would you recommend other people buy? Where are you getting them from? Like, what's, where's the best place to source this stuff?
2: So mine is a spec Miata. I have to run what I'm told to run. I don't have a choice in it, which I'm fine with. The current setup about three years ago, we switched to Penske shocks. And when I say that, everyone, I see their eyes open. They're like, it's a spec class. They're so expensive. They're actually not. They're $200 each for the shock. The total shock to buy them the first time with the mounts and everything is like $1,200. And then the full suspension package, I want to say, including the shocks is like $2,500 or so. And it is absolutely not the best possible suspension for Miatas. There's better options out there, but- the cost is really low. I mean, that's what some people are paying for shocks on BMWs. So the cost for the suspension package is low. And the good thing about the spec Miata package, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of them running. So if you're at a track day and you're like, Hey, my car is handling like crap. You can go talk to a spec Miata guy and say, well, you know, what setup do you have? What's your alignment? What's this and that? I mean, You know, it's not going to be the same if you're on street tires versus Toyos or Hoosiers, but you'll be able to have that kind of baseline of knowledge. It's really helpful if someone asked me what to buy right now, what I would say is try and find an old spec Miata suspension. Most of us took ours off. We had the Bilsteins were the old style. We most of us replaced it with the Penske's and you can get the Bilsteins for so cheap. You still have to pay for this, the mounts and the springs and all that, but really to get a very, very competent track suspension for very, very little money. There's, you can't beat it.
4: Yeah. I think the best advice is what Jim said. You talk to other owners, you walk the paddock at a track day and hey, what do you run? And you look you look like you're handling pretty well or what advice do you have here? Jump forums can be good and bad. When I've got, asked from advice, I've mentioned one of my employees has a Miata. So, you know, he's been good to say, hey, run this, run that. A bunch of the parts we just bought, we went the Fab 9 and X5 for a lot of that. But I've heard good things about flying Miata as well. You know, being tracked,
3: I think it's a definitely a whole different ballgame than what Jim's doing. Bill kind of said it at the beginning, start out with tires. I kind of think brakes are probably the first thing over tires but they're kind of right there together too is going to make the the biggest difference again it's such a different market between racing and track day it's you can kind of do what you want or what you can afford or which you're able to do yourself. And as far as parts, man, I'm kind of all over the place. I mean, I, I buy some stuff from Rock Auto. I buy a lot of stuff from a Spec Miata guy. I can't remember exactly where he is. Somewhere in the central part of the country. It's it Advanced, it's advanced the- Auto Sports. Yeah, yeah I mean... You know, the way I look at it with him is he might only sell one wheel hub type, you know, brand or one brake master cylinder brand, but I feel like he's probably figured out which one's the best and his prices are amazingly good. I, I, I got a um, clutch, the hydraulic part rebuild kit, and I think the master cylinder, a stainless steel line and slave cylinder altogether was less than hundred dollars. So, you know, he's definitely been a go-to for me. I bought some stuff from flying Miata. To me, they're a little more of a street car site, not fully, but to me, that's the feel I get that they cater a little more to that. Group.
1: So what's your setup like, Dave? What suspension are you running on your Miata?
3: You know, I, I have a coilover suspension. It's nothing crazy. It's a, I would call it an inexpensive. It's a V-Max is, is what I have. And I they have several different levels and I have the V-Max Extreme Track Pack. And and actually got those from Fly Miata. And at the time, and I think you still can, if you buy coilovers and their sway bars at the same time, you get a considerable discount. They're probably in the twelve dollars to $1,300 range at this point with the sway bar. I want to say I paid nine something, but that's been five years ago. And you know, honestly, I'd like to be able to speak on, you know, is there a huge difference between a $1,000 coilover and a I think some, you know, Olens, I think can be almost three grand. Bill, I think you got a lucky score behind that car with Again. a set of Olens. Um, but you know, honestly, I'd really like to to drive a car with them to see is there two thousand dollars worth of difference in in these shocks, or, or am I am I a good enough driver to feel the difference in two thousand dollars worth of shocks? I don't think, I don't think I am.
1: That's a very good point. And I think there's a there's a fallacy a lot around some of these parts. I tell people all the time when they ask my opinion, you know, let's say with Volkswagen stuff, I'm like, start with this and work your way up. Never build the car past your ability to drive it because that'll get you into trouble. So yes, there is some. Why spend the money three times? But I'm also telling you, don't waste your money on these 12 things. I've already wasted my money on those. (laughs) Here's 11 of them suck. And there's one of them that's good. Go start with this one, right? Go from there. So it is a progression. And a lot of people just want to go to finished product. And then the car is undrivable. And it kind of leads me into another question about the different kinds of types of Miatas. I've seen them all, right? From the track cars, to the SSMs, to the stance bros with like negative 12 degrees of camber and bags. <laughs> And then you got the square Miatas for a lot of people that don't know what that is. Tune into our autocross episode where we talked to a Miata autocrosser where he's running like 255 square on an NB. And it's like, how is that even a thing? But they're all
2: 95s.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's insane, right? They look like steamrollers and they stick out eight inches from the body, but they're all set up very different. But it also seems like the community is very tight and there's certain things to get and not get. My question coming out of this very long ramble is can you build a miata that does everything is there a combination that works for the track for autocross for the street so you can have one car and not three i know you end up with three miatas over time but
2: <laughs> i have a so I'm much sure cheap you much answer they yes every miata can do all of these things <laughs> when i started doing this i had a bone stock miata all it had was a front sway bar because it was initially by the previous owner built for e-stock autocross. That was it, front sway bar. And I tracked that car for two years. And daily drove, tracked with the occasional autocross for two years. And it was perfect. It was amazing. I mean, I was scraping my mirrors. It was leaning so hard in the corners. But (laughs) that was good. I learned how to drive in that car. Short answer, yes, they can. Leave it stock. (laughs) (laughs) So what are some of
1: the best life hacks for Miatas? Things that you've learned, make ways to cut corners and save money and and bring down the total cost of ownership.
2: One thing that I do that I get a lot of hard looks for is the biggest weak point on our cars is the front hubs. The more grip you have, the more likely they are to fail. It's not an if, it's a when. I'm looking right now at my shelf in the garage. I have six pre-packed hubs because I bring at least three to the track with me. My (laughs) hack for that is buy the $25 hubs on the gmb hubs they're junk but they're all junk and they're all going to fail so you might as well buy them and repack them with good grease and then in the meantime once you have those keep your eyes out for cheap deals on oem hubs that are old off desert cars off part out cars if they're still good if they don't have movement in them yet you can still take them apart and repack them that's my one hack because that's worked out well Uh, i have a Pile of hubs that hasn't been an issue in quite a while for me now. The other street hack was actually kind of fun. I, you know, I wish I had a picture that I could hold up to the screen here, but Miatas get very hot. And a lot of us take the air conditioning out, or the air conditioning is junk, or it doesn't work anymore. I took a, a gutter downspout, the little 90-degree turn from a gutter pipe, and attached it right after my sail window because. Even when the windows open, no air gets in this car. And I had it attached there so it would take air from right behind the mirror and throw it right at me in the driver's seat. Huh. I swear it saved my life on hot days. <laughs> and I'm talking street, track, whatever. It's It was, a, it was great. <laughs> All for $4.
3: <laughs> it made me think of I love when I can buy something for my car at Home Depot or Lowe's. <laughs> I don't know I get such a charge out of it. <laughs>
4: One hack is something Jim brought up earlier. You know, there, there's such a huge racing community and such a huge car culture around Miatas. There's always going to be a good deal on something used or a part out car. And no matter where you live, you know, you're in the Facebook groups. There's constant, hey, I'm looking for this. And 10 people chime in with, hey, I, I have one or just part out. Yeah. Being able to you know get stuff from the spec racing community or from the car community.
1: And you bring up a really good point, Bill. Where are some of the best online communities or forums for Miata owners if people are looking to get in for the first time? Obviously, if you're in the know, you're in the know. But where? what's some great resources for folks?
4: So I'm in Ohio, and there's a couple of good Facebook groups, uh, Miata Owners of Ohio. To me, the Facebook groups are a little bit better than the forums these days. It just, it's it's more real time. It, sometimes I think it's easier to search. Wherever you are, do a couple of searches for some Facebook groups that uh, are Miata-focused and geography-focused. I don't know if I'd
3: call it a hack, but there's a myth about brake rotors that you need slotted or drilled or whatever. Don't spend a bunch of money on your brake rotors for a Miata. Rock Auto, $80 for all four shipped to your door. Um, that's all you need. <laughs> that's I, it, it kills me when I hear someone say, yeah, I'm going to go get the big brake package. And I'm like, please don't. Please don't do it.
1: You know, your your stock brakes become the big brake package when you take 500 pounds out of the car. Absolutely. <laughs> if anything, you
3: upgrade to the, uh, I have the sport brakes on mine, which are a little bit more brake than what Jim probably has on his car. But, I mean, they're more than enough
0: what is this I, I thought miata owners didn't have brakes they, they never putting money into them it's, we use that's well, in front of us we have to be <laughs> it's, you it's use an the emergency as your brakes
2: yeah.
1: yeah yeah i mean what good are brakes all they do is slow you down after exactly. all. I mean, yeah. <laughs> whatever you know as miata owners longtime miata owners now in some cases what's the best and worst parts Outside of the driving experience, it, it can be either or. So what are the best or worst parts about owning a Miata? Now that you know. I'll
0: honestly
3: think of a bad anything bad. I, I mean, I'm sure there is. The best is just, it's so fun to drive. It's cheap. Everything's cheap for it and plentiful. And I, I guess the downsides is they are getting more expensive if you want to get into a Miata. Price has definitely gone nuts.
2: My call for the best part is... I wouldn't be able to afford doing this if I didn't have a Miata. I don't know if there's any car that ha- I can get a consumable budget this low and a parts budget this low. The worst part is that coming out of every tight corner, I can't just drop my foot and go completely sideways <laughs> and be a hero. Like I, I, really want that on like a de day, if you know, going for a ride or if you know, look around, there's nobody on track and you want to have fun. I do wish I had a car that could do that, but the trade-off to me is still not worth it. Not happening.
4: The best part, always fun to drive always puts a smile on your face no matter what and there's always the people that want to talk to you about your car you'll be pumping gas but oh i remember i had a miata or you know so and so had a miata Is that your girlfriend's miata you know all those sort of things <laughs> it you know, is. Um, did you just come <laughs> did you just come
1: from the haircuttery yeah you know all the jokes
4: <laughs> <laughs> but the uh the worst part is it kind of goes in line with what jim just said yeah you know, you'll be on the freeway and, and i'm not advocating for street racing or saying this would be street <laughs> racing but You're on the freeway and, you know, a Charger Challenger or an STI rolls up next to you and you're like, man, I want to play a little bit. And you can't hang with them if they drive you.
0: (laughs) I want to do some Mythbusters, um, but it's probably directed more at Jim. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of these racing series, there is a conspiracy theory that in order to be competitive and to win, all the front guys are, they're, they're spending a lot more money than the people at the back of the pack. Is it the same for the SM and SSM guys? Is that part of the game? You're Mr. No Money Motorsports. Are you competitive racing and are the front runners putting in more money than the back markers? Bradley, are, are, you,
1: are you referring to this mythical 1.7 liter Miata that doesn't exist anywhere? <laughs> I, I, I
0: yeah. would like to invoke
2: my Fifth Amendment rights. <laughs> <laughs> that is the best question. That is not just a good question. That is the best question. That's kind of been my own personal journey. This is my fifth season racing now. I've always been doing it very cheaply. But each year, I kind of ramp it up a little bit more or prep or what I'm doing. Last season we averaged 19 cars a race, and I ended the season in is it either fourth or maybe fifth for points. I didn't win any races yet. You know, well, <laughs> I had I think a couple thirds this year, and a lot in the top five, top six, uh, which kind of stinks. It was a lot of sixes because that's right out of Toyo Bucks, but uh, <laughs> I was able to stay right up there in the front of the pack on the engine that came in my car when I bought it six years ago, one set of sticker tires per season doing alignments. Basically myself, my friend David TNZ Auto did my alignment like two years ago, and that's the last shop alignment I had. If you spend more money and more prep on these cars, you will be able to go faster, but Having the spec series, the spec roles, and the prep, you get a lot less advantage spending more money in spec Miata than you would if you're spending money in an open class like a like an ST class or a limited class. So it still makes a difference, but not nearly as much as anywhere else. We are at Watkins Glen in like three weeks for our first race of the season. And I just bought a new engine, new used engine. So (laughs) ask me this question again at the end of the month. Now that I'm making power, that should be right up with the top boys and girls. We'll see how I can hold up. We'll see if that extra 10 horsepower is worth the money.
1: What's the displacement of that motor? Did you say? uh, I
2: believe it's 1.9 liters Uh, now. Okay. (laughs) It is actually an overbore, You know, 1.81, and I have to take a a 15-pound weight penalty, which is good because I already did that with
0: COVID and how I learned how to bake bread. So (laughs) I've I've been preparing for this. (laughs) Congratulations on being like right in there with the with the top guys. That's it's pretty admirable. And five years racing, that's that's really good. It's an alternate universe. The Miata, the MX-5, does not exist. What do you drive? Everything else being equal, what is your track weapon? Your race weapon? Oh, that's a really good question, Brad.
4: I'd probably go E30, E36. I've only tracked an E36, but we raced an E30. It's just I really, really enjoyed it. Plus, although the E30 pricing is going through the roof, like everything else and parts, but you know, the E36 or even the E46, they're everywhere. Parts are available everywhere. They're somewhat reliable. So that's what I
1: would go with. I like how you emphasize somewhat. That's good. Yes.
0: (laughs) They're reliable. Yeah. Yeah.
3: I'll tell you what really makes me curious for some reason is the BRZ FRS Toyota 86. I I I've driven one on the street. My dad had one for a little while and it was a nice driving car, but that was prior to me ever driving on the track. So I don't feel like I really drove it. I'm very curious about those cars. So that might be my choice.
2: I have a two-part answer here. So for racing, it would be E30. Got to race a spec E30. It was a blast. I didn't rush to sell my Miata after doing it, but they're a lot of fun. In my opinion, they're more fun to drive. They're slightly less fun to race, if that makes sense. Just because the handling characteristics. Thanks but you at all. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. But if for, uh, for tracking, the 86 cars all the way, the BRZ, FRS, the 86, I mean, that to me is about as close as you're going to get to a modern Miata. I know they still make Miatas, their formula is a little bit better, in my opinion. I mean, to not have to worry about a roll bar that you can't even really easily put in a new a new Miata. The glass transmissions that they put in the new Miatas. Right now, I'm leaning towards the 86 cars. Plus, there's so many that they're selling. Uh, that might be our next big spec class.
1: Do I get a vote, Brad? Can I throw one
0: in? <laughs> uh, you cannot say E36. You've it's definitely not going to be a
1: BMW. <laughs> that's for sure. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my roots. GTI. And I would say, no, 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 no. I would say 944 for oh, all yeah. the previous reasons stated <laughs> the 50 to 50 weight distribution, the whole nine yards. And they're quicker than any 30 technically. So I, I think I would go with the 944.
2: See, we've had see that being an option every time that I've seen one on track. I mean, there was a two year spread where every time one showed up for our race group, I was like, when's the red flag going to happen? <laughs> like, uh, and That's it was, how we it was feel a about terrible me. joke because <laughs> it was like oh there's there he, uh, he's out of the car but it's on fire and oh there it is it's parked over here it's just like ah oh, man
1: <laughs> to dovetail off of what brad said and bring it back into reality a little bit if you had to start all over again would you stick with the miata you have or would you do something different i
3: want to pop up headlights <laughs> <laughs> i definitely would not do anything different you know obviously didn't know then what i know now but i think i made the right choice
2: i would do the same exact thing street me out of for a while and suck me out when i can two of you having
1: nbs and one of you having an na i have to ask the question are those the best generations the original two do you have any love for the nc and the nd if not why not let's talk about the newer ones as well we don't nobody seems to really focus on them i'd like to
3: drive drive both i've ridden in an nd on the track and it's it you know it seemed pretty cool but driving and riding is two different things and i don't even think i've been in an nc on the street but i'd be very very curious to drive both
4: i do like the na and NB styling i know the nc isn't too much different some people say i just don't necessarily like the lines of the nc or nd not say anything negative about them. But the one thing is um, I'm a fan of simplicity. And the more complicated a car
2: gets, the more expensive it is to repair, the more things that can break. Simple to me is better. Bill kind of nailed my, uh, why I like the NDs so much. They're so simple. They're reliable. They're so, the NC's had some early engine issues. The ND's are having transmission issues. They're still great, fantastic cars. And maybe it's just me sticking with what I know I would love to get in one. I'm not ruling them out for the future as our cars get older. You know, we might have to start moving up sometime soon, if nothing else, just to keep up with the general speed of track days because they both have a good amount more power. They're great cars. I, I would love to track them and street them, but I'm definitely not selling mine anytime soon.
1: I hear you on that. I got, I've gotten the opportunity to run a couple of prepared NCs on track, and I mm-hmm. really like them. I would choose them honestly. A because yeah. they're they're a little bit more comfortable. They're bigger, but the yeah. swap potential, if you've got that mentality, yeah. is yeah. huge. You could put a two three, a two five. Three, there's a lot of power options for the NC. NC turbos they have over in Europe, you know, making 300 plus horsepower. I, I just like that chassis. And having driven the older ones as well, when I got in the NC, it was a little less twitchy Because it's a bigger car, which Mm -hmm. actually leads me into my question to you guys about maybe your gut reaction to the ND because it went smaller again, right? The NC is the largest Miata by far, Mm -hmm. but then they went backwards and they said, let's go back to the original size. So when that car debuted and you guys got to put eyes on it, what did you think? And what do you still think about it today? I I really liked it.
3: I mean, I like, the, I like the way it looks. I mean, not stock right from the showroom. I think the wheels look a little funky and a little small on them, but I like the lines. And, it, you know, like Jim was saying, I've thought about the NC and ND option as the future of what happens when you can't find any more NAs or NBs or God forbid I ball mine up Would I go that route. So, yeah, I'm curious about them.
2: Very the only hard stop I have for really the ND, I think, over the NC is the roll bar is so tough to put in those cars. Right now, the only solution, um, I, and I could be wrong here, but I believe the only solutions are like over $2,000 for a, like one specific company that makes a roll bar you can go on track with, and it's not ready for that compromise yet. Um, what about the this.
1: RC? What about the RC edition?
2: You have to have uh, a roll you, bar in those too. Yeah. It looks like it's a regular target car, but the back of the car actually lifts up to put the target underneath. So it's there's no fixed roof portion. I've heard just recently heard that some clubs do let you on track with that. I wouldn't feel comfortable really wheeling a car like that without some sort of yeah. protection in it.
1: Because to your point, some clubs allow the NC2, the one with the convertible hardtop, to be run just with the factory hoops. Instead of a roll bar. So that's kind of interesting because the NC1 and NC2, soft top to hard top, all that kind of thing.
3: A friend of mine just bought a um, ND, what do they call them, RF? Yep. And he bought it specifically to track it. And evidently when you put a roll bar in one of those, the top never goes down again. You have to actually, you know, disconnect it. It is what it is.
1: It's track Yeah, why spend the extra money for the fixed roof when it looks so good,
3: though? He (laughs) did have, I think there was something that the chassis is better or it it handles better. Or or there was a reason. And honestly, oh, I know what it was. If he bought a soft top, he wanted to put a hard top on it. And the hard tops for them are like insanely expensive he kind of did the math and figured out that well i might as well just buy an rf and go that route
4: yeah i was glad to see that it came back to the closer to the original size you know if you look at the mini coopers lately you know if you took you know an r50 r53 when they came back in early 2000s and looked at where they are today they've gotten fatter
1: the maxi, that's what we call them around
4: here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, I haven't I haven't been up close to one. I haven't been in one, so I can't I can't speak to that. But um, I was glad to see that it kind of returned back to the original idea of hey, it's supposed to be a, a small nimble car.
1: So that leads into a, another variant of the Miata, I often call it the Fiata, and that's the mm-hmm. Fiat 124 Barth, which is very similar in some ways to the NC Miata, although it shares the ND chassis, it's actually physically larger, it's more comfortable to sit in, and things like that, so what do you guys think about the 124 Spider?
3: It's ugly. (laughs) Blasphemer. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's to me, it's almost like they tried to copy an NB, definitely lines that look like an NB, but then there's the back. Yeah. Yeah. But then there's some lines that just look like they're slightly out of place to me. It just, I don't like it. But I think that it's just very minute things that they did that make me not like
1: it. So let me ask you this. If they rebadged it, changed the sheet metal, and brought it back <laughs> as an Alfa Romeo, hint, hint, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, would that change your opinion of the Fiat?
3: No, definitely. I mean, it, it really, it's a—it's an <laughs> aesthetic thing. I'm, I mean, I just don't like the way it looks. And, and then it's got, what, a 1.4 turbo in it? One's got to be faster or drive better than the other, but I, I really don't know.
1: So I've read in the tests and even they did a review on the Grand Tour, Richard Hammond drove one. And basically because the Fiat weighs more than the ND, but it makes more power, they're basically equal. But the difference is the tunability of the Fiat is huge because there's people like Euro Compulsion that make turbo kits for them and things like that. You throw them on, suddenly you have 300 horsepower and you have a rocket ship, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the flexibility of the Abarth motor is great if you want to go back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode where it's like, I want that need for speed. I want to fulfill and satisfy that, but I don't want something that isn't a Miata, right?
4: To me, when I was was looking at some of the pictures again before the call, you know, kind of looks almost video game-ish. I don't know why. And a lot of the renderings I saw, I read an old article from 2016, Road and Track or Motor Trend or something that did a comparison. And just like you said, Eric, they came out about even. I have not seen one on
2: the road, though. Have you guys, anyone seen? Oh, the they're Rally? all over
1: the place here, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. Not here in Cleveland. I I fell in and out of love with it, or I guess out and in. The first time I saw one in person, I was at New York Auto Show and I was not a fan. But then when I started to see them, I I like it. It kind of has that old Fiat Roadster look, which is like a little bit awkward, but it works. It definitely has that look. Personally, I am not a fan of turbo cars though. I mean, I know I'm going to have to change my opinion because everything is turning into turbos. I'd rather have the normally aspirated Miatas. And then I know the ND2 Miata. I think they bumped it. What like forty horsepower? Maybe not. There was a huge bump for the second generation of the NDs. I like them and. Used car market, I'm not going to say no to one, but I'd still rather stick with the Miata version.
1: It's a Paisan thing. We get it. You know,
0: yeah.
2: Yeah. So, you didn't see the guy off camera holding a cannoli saying, You better say you like the Fiat. Yeah, right. As a a Chrysler person, too, a Mopar guy, I have to like the Fiat, you know. Right? Exactly.
1: (laughs) Amen to that. Amen. I've got a lot of
2: texts. Why are you racing Miatas when you can race that? I'm like, I can't though, but you're close.
1: <laughs> and the price on those things has gone nuts to, oh, has to Brad's point earlier, used car markets going through the roof and things like that. And, and you know when you start looking at what a used six-speed Fiat would cost, you can buy a ragged out Alpha 4C and have a mid-engine fighter jet more power and all that kind of stuff. So it's kind of this weird balance when we start talking about, again, what should I buy? How do I spend my money? In today's market, when a used car from five years ago is 30 grand, you're like, well, do I buy you know, a Mach-E for 40 and it's a brand new EV and get all excited about that? Or do I buy an SSM for that price? Because a lot of SSMs, you know, especially if you want a front runner, they're expensive, right? So there's a lot of different things to consider when you get into that. That being said, since you guys are in the community, any rumors about a fifth gen Miata coming out? I mean, the ND's getting a little long in the tooth as well. It's been around now five, six years.
4: I haven't heard anything. There was talk of an NG, wasn't there?
2: Oh, it's yeah, rotary powered.
1: It's never going to happen. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> If you know me, you know my opinion on rotaries and I've, I've hurt some feelings, but I've been very right. I'm so- <laughs> I yeah. always
1: say if the Germans thought it was a good idea, they wouldn't have given up on it. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just, just let's take the 9-11 as an example.
2: Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> what I've heard is that everyone that blew up, they just were driving it wrong. And it's simple tricks that you'd have. Oh, wait, they just blew up. <laughs> it's a two stroke. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. So I'm really curious to see what the
1: future of the Miata is like. I mean, we're talking about now it came out in 1989, Nine. although yeah, it was, 90 uh, as, model year. yeah, as we talked yeah. to one of the folks that was on the design team for the Miata, they were developing it years earlier right and we joked on yeah. another episode it's one of those cars that was designed in the 80s came out in the 90s and now has lasted forever we're talking a 30-year run and so it's it will be curious to see what the next decade looks like especially as we move to evs do you think there'll be an electric miata or is the oh, miata yeah. maybe on its way out
2: It'll definitely be an electric version of some sort. I'm excited for it. I'm about 10 years before I can really get behind electric stuff, maybe five years, but I'm excited for that too. That'll be fun. You just want the e-torque. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But the only thing is I also want to be able to do a 35-minute session at the Glen the whole way through, but we'll, we'll see. That actually
1: brings up a, a great question. Best Miata swap you've ever seen or one that you lust after? There's always that that's guy it. that's it's got the that one. you want. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't right? know. That, that's on you, right?
3: It's subjective, yeah. I mean, the best Miata swap I saw was an NC that had a 2.5 in it. And, you know, I I think like most track day Miata guys, you go through the like, oh, I'm going to put a turbo on it. And then, no, I've decided I'm going to supercharge it. No, I'm going to do a a Ecotech swap. No, I'm going to do – you know, I kind of went through all that and went back to. I'm not doing any of that because every time I see one, they're broken.
2: I want to try a K swap, me out. I want to drive one because my daily driver
3: I, I is a, K. a Drive one too, but you know, to do a K swap, it's just insanely
0: it's expensive. We have somebody in the club that's got one. Ah,
2: perfect. Send it my way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my daily is at 07 Civic. I, mm-hmm. I have that K every day, and I. Love that engine! I just every time a minute I hit VTech, I'm like, I wish the Miata had this. <laughs>
1: so no, no LS or Coyotes or five. No, too much, too much for the chassis. Too, way too much. Buy a Corvette. Yeah. You see guys <laughs> doing it all the time, right? Fire-breathing dragon V8 Miatas, right?
3: Yeah, yeah. We'll a lot
0: like they're, they're always parked in the paddock. Yeah.
4: Jim, cover your ears. I have a collection of, of RX 7s, which oh, I'll end up <laughs>
0: yeah,
4: it's, a, it's still a pile. And uh, but, but I, I'm gonna end up with extra rotaries. I just thought, man, love to stick a rotary in there. Why I've
3: seen not? a Miata with a rotary, and I'm trying to remember when and where it was. I mean it, it it's on the closed. side of the road. No, no, it was actually it was a Roebling and it did break down.
1: <laughs> I mean I'm not gonna I'm not gonna argue with you, Bill. It's cool. But yeah. it's sort of like other people's kids, like, yeah, I'll play with you for a while as long as I get to give you back. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like that's me and Rotaries. Yeah. I'm all good, man
4: that sounds like one of my projects then yep yeah.
1: i do think though the coolest i've ever seen and i'm sure you guys remember this one it was out of southern california where they put the hellcat engine in the miata dude that I've thing seen that. is
2: oh. awesome let's see <laughs> that car went into a ditch shortly after it was built
0: and i haven't heard anything since
1: yeah there's no more videos about the hellcat miata but it was no. cool for all of eight seconds
0: yeah. <laughs> wow <laughs> We have somebody in the market for a Miata. They're six four and three hundred pounds. What Miata do you recommend? <laughs> you did. You pulled this on me the first time around.
2: <laughs> six, 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 four. All right, I got An, an NA or an NB, because you can drop the floor. There's a ready made kit. You drop the floor two and a half inches, and you just get an aluminum seat on the floor back. Planet Miata claims they built one for a six foot eight driver.
1: Were his feet coming out the pop-ups or what?
0: <laughs> right. yeah. it, well, it really depends. Six six four might fit depending on how your torso size. <laughs> it's the th- thirty-four-inch enzyme. I do not fit in a in an in a in uh, stock trim.
2: If you come to one of our events, I want you to try and sit. Oh, yeah, not stock. There's a car
0: or two you might fit into. There you go, Brad. You could wear you can wear, you can my wear my it. NASA event. You, yeah. can we- you
2: can wear that, Miata.
0: The latest yeah. accessory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my <laughs> yes, friend but- has one He he built he's got a drop floor the seats on the floor all the way back and he built a eight or nine inch steering wheel extension because it was the only way he could get his knee the arch in his knee is to fit he's very comfortable in the car.
1: drive with t-rex arms like yeah yeah, oh yeah (laughs) so that said brad i think we should do maybe some lightning round pit stop questions what do you think sure let's go for it i'm gonna i'm gonna start with my favorite so i'm gonna ask bill sexiest car of all time
4: uh late 60s gt40 oh
3: Dave, you, you got me on, this is, a, this, are you testing me? Uh, it was The Jag- answer is not Miata. In this case, no, no, it no. Is not. It was, it was Jaguar
2: XKE. Nice. On top.
1: Nice, a
3: type
2: yeah. B Jag. Yeah. Jim? I've got so, it depends on my definition of sexy that day. Honestly, I always go back to my 1969 and a half Super B in the green, the bright green metallic. Oof. One of these days. Smoke man. (laughs) So see that leads into the other, the other
1: pit stop question, a favorite, a classic on this show, which is what we call the million dollar man question or the million dollar garage question. So since you started with the Super B, you have a three bay garage. What do you put in the other two bays?
2: Oh, that's easy. Two spec miatas because (laughs) (laughs) if, if I have that kind of cash in the beginning. There's no way I'll make it through a weekend without crashing one of the Spec Miatas. When you have a second one in the garage, you will win a lot of races knowing you have a second one in the garage. <laughs> it's called no fear. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dave, what do you put in the other two bays
1: in your garage? I
3: really want a Beck Spider. You know, that's a 550 Spider copy. I just love that car. And, and it's attainable. Not at the moment, but I think at some point I could afford one. And then, um, I don't know, I probably want a late 70s, early 80s Porsche 930 or 935, something like that. When I was a kid, that was the car to me.
4: You guys reminded me, I totally forgot about the Alpha 4C. I think it's a it's a fun car to see on the street. It sounds awesome. And, and I'm not one of these guys that's got to have a, a million dollar car. So, throw one of those 50 60 grand in the garage and then again not looking at crazy expensive but something i would love to have is a gt 350r
1: which year though like our late 60s
4: oh gosh um no newer sorry yeah good
2: point point. and the third bay full of tires
1: right i was gonna say well he's got them suspended over the cars you know ah. he's got a loft up there yeah yeah
0: yeah T- exactly. tires and fuel tanks yep ugliest car in the world other He's than a, the Fiat. i was gonna say i already told you
3: <laughs> <laughs> no, no i don't feel that madly about it
1: matador oh i haven't had, i haven't had anybody pull that one that's the a good girl
3: was the car. ugliest car ever the wheels were like a foot in from the fenders <laughs> um and it just had no style whatsoever
1: had that long had back, of those, two-tone, yeah, yeah. trying to be yeah. a, we want, it wanted to be a Buick Riviera, but it, it didn't know how. Right,
3: <laughs> right. But it was an AMC.
1: It's terrible.
3: <laughs> yeah, one of my neighbors as a kid had one, and yeah, I just remember that being that, so that's, that's, ugly. Uh,
1: that's 10 points to Dave for the pull. Yeah.
4: Of yeah. <laughs> I, I can't remember the model number, but it's a Hyundai. It's got a weird front nose. It's a weird rear end. I think you're uh, thinking of the like one bother? where they were like trying to yeah. copy
3: a Mercedes Jag look. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't know the number of it either, but yeah, those are really ugly. That's what comes to mind
1: for me. Oh, it's like the Genesis G80 or something like that. The big yeah, one, it wasn't the it? Older, Genesis. Right?
3: It was like '90s. Oh, you know, that the Size of an Accord. Yeah. A I thought you, I thought you were going to say
1: like the Veloster, the funky one with the the weird slope back and the, well that's pretty funky-looking. sauce in the middle too you know all that stuff <laughs> not that one
3: yeah the no, wish.com jaguar
2: the, the wish.com jaguar
1: <laughs> yeah, right.
3: <laughs> exactly. It looked like it looked like, you know, you've seen some of those Chinese knockoff cars. That, yeah. It, they try that's kind of what it looks like, a knockoff jag, especially yeah. when Jag went to those smaller Ford bottom and they went to those smaller Jags, but they tried to keep the same headlight look. That's what yeah. that Hyundai looked like. I know, I know exactly the one you're talking about, Bill. Yeah, it's it was a, a Hyundai Sonata. Sonata. Is Sonata. it a Sonata? Maybe it was the first years of those.
4: Yeah, early two thousand. I just did a quick web search of "ugly Hyundai" and that's what. It was. <laughs> you
1: had to go right, through fifty pages the to find the one he was talking about. That's awesome. <laughs>
0: that must right, be I'll a
1: popular to... Google search.
0: Yeah, it it's still loading. Me. Hold on, it's still loading. Is <laughs> so that Jim... AOL working?
2: So did Jim give us his answer, or did, did he go? Yet. Oh, I've got so many good answers for this, but I'm gonna stick if I want to go modern. Just give myself some criteria. The new WRX. What are they doing? Uh, They're I not bringing they an SDI. Yeah. Each generation of that car has just gotten uglier and uglier since what, like the '06s? The last year they looked good, and it just. But.
1: Doesn't everybody say that about every Subaru that's come out? When the bug eye came out, they were like, oh, the one previous was better. What? And then the one came after the bug eye. The bug eye was so great. This new one's
0: awful. Yeah. But the 2.5 RS was a nice looking car. It, it Yeah. But that was 30 years ago. No, <laughs> <really>? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was. I, <laughs> I do have a two-part question. Dave might be exempt because he's already probably answered it. But any car on any racetrack. Do I have a reset button
2: in my life uh, like sure. if I do an F1 car at Monza or Spa I will say like as long as I can reset when I crash at 195 miles an hour I'm yeah in. this is this is
0: Forza <laughs> and you can hit the rewind button there's my answer yeah that's what that's what mine was on the previous Formula F1 One car in yeah. uh, Monaco or Monza yeah I
3: don't remember which track I said but F1
4: car. Uh, I'd want one of the Mazda DPI cars at uh, Road America. Oh, nice. Road that's America, nice track. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah,
1: track. that would be mine. That's a great segue into our final Miata question, which is if you could drive your Miata on any track that isn't one of these ones you already mentioned what's your like bucket list track to take your miata to and go run it
0: vir patriot
1: course
4: (laughs) (laughs) i i've never been to watkins Glen. yeah you have to go
1: so you got mid ohio in your backyard i'm jealous
4: and i'm 35 minutes from nelson ledges too that's great
1: you only break in one turn at that track.
3: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) to. <laughs> yeah. thunder hill really has gotten like interesting to me and i really didn't pay much attention to it till maybe last year and part of it was seeing how many events are held there and i was like there's got to be something great about this and watched a couple videos so i'd like to i'd like to do a full like cross-country tour at some point and hit a bunch of them but that would definitely be
2: on the list I'm probably going to have to say Road Atlanta. We have a little sim league that we, and we do a lot of Road Atlanta and that just seems like a really fun track. It is scary. We've done yes. it. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Don't put hair on
1: your chest. That's for sure. Oh call, yeah.
2: I'll call scary. You mature
1: quickly as a driver at Road Atlanta. That, that's 100%. <laughs> yeah. But I would say I would drive any of y'all's Miata's at Brands Hatch. That's my vote right there. Mm-hmm. I need something low horsepower. So Miata would be perfect for a track like that. But on that bombshell... Guys, I can't thank you enough for coming on here and sharing some of your Miata expertise with our audience and with our listeners. So if you're out there and you're looking for more information about Miatas, I think you just put Miata into the Google and tons of things will come up. But if you want more than that, you can tune into Late to Grid, which is a podcast about motorsports and getting on track. Bill Snow, our guest, interviews guys and gals who work hard all week to be weekend warriors. He also interviews professionals in the motorsports community that can help you and your racing. His audience includes members of SECa and NASA, which is the National Auto Sports Association, and those that participate in track days, HPDE, and endurance racing. Bill's goal is to share the stories and inspiration that will continue to help grow our sport. You can search for their show on all your favorite podcatchers or on social media at Late
0: to Grid. Jim Tramontano created No Money Motorsports, a site with the primary goal to get folks on track as much as possible by spending as little money as possible, which is near and dear to my heart. He started autocrossing in 2007, started track days by volunteering with NASA in 2012, and moved up to HPD ranks in his daily driver, Miata. He's in his fifth year racing spec Miata with NASA Northeast, and you can check out his work over at www.nomoneymotorsports.com. And... Last to grid, but certainly not least, a shout
1: out to Dave Peters and the folks over at HPDEJunkie.com for deciding that something needed to be done to promote high performance driving events, HPDEs, across the country. So he created a website with the goal of turning HPDE into a household name. And now HPDEJunkie.com is the most inclusive and most current listing of HPDE track days and open track events for the United States and Canada. You you can check out HBD Junkie at HBDJunkie.com or follow them on all your favorite social media platforms at hbd Junkie. And you can chat with Dave Peters also over on Garage Riot. So we want to thank Bill, Jim, and Dave for joining us tonight on our episode, What Should I Buy? The answer is always Miana And wish you guys all the best in the 22 and 23 season. And by the way, guys, what should we buy?
3: Miana yeah.
0: <laughs> Seat time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you like what you've heard and want to learn more about gtm be sure to check us out on www.gtmotorsports.org you can also find us on instagram at Grand Motorsports. also if you want to get involved or have suggestions for future shows you can call or text us at 202-630-1770 or send us an email at crewchief at gtmotorsports.org. We'd love to hear from you.
1: Hey, everybody. Crew Chief Eric here. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Break Fix, and we wanted to remind you that GTM remains a no annual fees organization, and our goal is to continue to bring you quality episodes like this one at no charge. As a loyal listener, please consider subscribing to our Patreon for bonus and behind-the-scenes content, extra goodies, and GTM swag.